0: Has it ever occurred to you just how incredible grapes are? Now think about it, that little box of raisins your mother packed in your lunch bag was the only fruit that qualified as a dessert. And consider this, when we hear juicy gossip we say we heard it through the grapevine. We didn't hear it through the apple tree or or the berry bush. Grapes are so darn special that the grocery store expects us to snitch a few to ensure quality control try doing that with a banana or a pineapple. Admit it, every encounter you've ever had with grapes has been positive. That's why we created Grape Encounters, a place for adults to hang out and focus on the paramount achievement of grapedom. Delicious, irresistible wine. Wine brings people together. It starts conversations. It makes us happy. In fact, a Wherever there are grapes, there's gorgeous scenery, very cool people, and plenty of laughter. All that being said, let's bring out your guide for this journey. The Wizard of Wine, the Gangster of Grape, David Wilson.
1: my goodness, do I have an amazing week in front of me. Actually, I've already jumped into it, but there's a lot coming down the line. There's a lot I want to talk about today. I'm going to be doing two very interesting things, and we're going to talk about what I'm about to do, and then next week we will talk about what I did. (laughs) It should be fun because at least one of the things that we're going to talk about today will set the tone, hopefully, for some adventures that you might jump into later this summer. But first, we're going to actually continue a conversation about a subject that bewilders a lot of people because, frankly, there's just a lot of misinformation about this topic, and the topic is aging wine. Or maybe I should say the topic is killing wine because that happens more than I like to hear about. And you might remember, I think it was about four weeks ago, I was telling you about my visit with my friend Alfred, who has a small but nice wine cellar, and I hadn't seen Alfred in a long time, and I flew into the States from Italy, and one of the first things that Alfred did during our first dinner was, he said, hey David, go over to the wine cellar and pick out something. So I went down there, and I found some wines that I had actually suggested that Alfred buy, but I did not suggest that he sit on them for 15 years, and there they were Wines that I would have killed to have a fresh bottle of, but these wines unfortunately had turned. And I was just so heartsick about what had happened to these wines. Well, I have another friend who is sitting on a of really amazing wines. His name is John, and they're his wines, his family's wines, but we're going to talk about the story behind them, because the wine collector who put this amazing cellar together was John's dad, who very unfortunately is gone now, and one of the most amazing people that I've ever met, and one of the most knowledgeable wine collectors you ever want to meet. But John is here with me, and John, you and I have not seen each other for a pretty long time.
2: Probably over 10
1: years. Well, because I I've been avoiding you. No, <laughs> yeah, no, no. You yeah, no, no it, it's been around ten years, and we talk, but it just seems like we're never in the right place at the right time. But here I was in California, and you invited me to come down to where you're at, and I'm not, by the way, going to reveal where I'm at because this is a substantial collection that the family has, and I don't want to give anybody any ideas. Not that they could get through like five layers of security to get in into the wine cellar but Why don't you just talk for a minute About what your dad put together And, you know, sort of his love For wine
2: Well, he built the house in 1991 And it was very important To him that he had a wine cellar He was picking up wines At stores in in Southern California He got very interested in Bordeaux Yeah, And he liked the labels on the Bordeaux The artwork, because each year There's a different artist that works On the label, and I got into to it too you know my dad said well this is how you drink wine this is what you're looking for and some of these wines were back in 98 99 2000 at the height of some of the best wines that ever came out of Bordeaux
1: yeah so Uh, many years is that there are wines in there that are more than 30 years old yes yeah, definitely. But anyway, so dad was teaching you. Correct. And you were more than happy to learn. And how old were you when you started to get these lessons I from him? I was 22. 22. That's a good good age to be to yes. start learning about wine. Did you love wine right out of the gate or did you have to learn to love it? Well, I
2: drank the pink stuff, the, the white Zinfandel. I used to get at the store when I was in Berkeley.
1: Nothing wrong with that. There's, there's nothing wrong with no,
2: that. No, but it was good. I mean, I enjoyed it at the time. But then once my father started to show me the appreciation of a really good Bottle of wine and how to taste it and how to put it in the glass and how to aerate it in some cases. Yeah. That's when I started to learn, wow, this is impressive. These are really good tasting wine.
1: Yeah, I actually love watching you drink the wines because you don't take them for granted and you really do know them quite well and you pretend like you don't, but you do. But the one thing that I really don't get is you have this very substantial wine cellar and I was in it 10 years ago and it hasn't changed much except it's maybe a little messier.
2: Little <laughs> little messier. It's got some boxes in it that I haven't uploaded a- a- into the bins.
1: And so you invited me to come and make sense out of the wine cellar. And that's what I'm doing this week is I'm just going through it. I've spent probably a day and a half going through it and just trying to get a sense of what's in here and how did your dad have it organized? You don't have an inventory that we can put our hands on. Dad kept one, right? But he probably had it on his computer and who knows where it is. Is.
2: right i haven't fired that computer up in 10 years so i don't even know if the computer works but he that's why he numbered the bins yes and since we live in california we had the bins secured so that if there was an earthquake they wouldn't fall out and break right so that's why you have the little latches and little screens on there because you don't want all your favorite wines that you've collected over 20 years to break on the floor right and we're very particular about the cooling in the wine cellar. It's very important to keep it at appropriate temperature so it doesn't get too hot Oh, the the
1: environment in that cellar is just purely magical. It's really wonderful. And your dad really did everything right in terms of building that cellar. Why there's a a giant shower right outside the cellar is beyond me, but I guess, you know, when you're around that much amazing wine, you work up a sweat. (laughs) That's, That's all I can figure. But, you know, we don't know exactly what his thinking was. Was when he put all of these wines in the places where they're currently sitting. But, you know, certainly there's one thing that is absolutely true, and that is that your dad was a red wine guy, and there's very little white wine in there, very little. And a lot of that white wine is actually sweet, by the way. Correct. Which is kind of cool. But the other thing is, your dad is all about Bordeaux and Napa. And I don't think I saw any wines in there from, say, for instance, Oregon or Walmart. Washington or Spain. I think there might be a little bit of Spanish wine in there. There are some Italian wines, by the way, some great Italian wines in there, I must say. So his preference was clearly Bordeaux, and the Bordeaux's that are in there are off the charts. They're some of the finest wines that were ever made, and it just scares me that some of those may be already past their prime. Do you worry about that?
2: Absolutely. And that's why I called you, David. And I said, David, we need to look at some of these wines and I need some help seeing which ones are going to remain good? Or do I need to sell some of these? Or do I need to keep them or drink them right away?
1: So it's an important thing to realize that wine is a commodity just like, in fact, I should really compare it to things like Bitcoin, where the value can fluctuate a lot, where it can be a collector item that is just as viable as a means of income as a stock portfolio. And a lot of people make a lot of money off of wine if they do it right. But unlike stocks, a wine can just go bad. Well, I shouldn't say that. Stocks can go bad, too. You know, something happens at the corporation, then blam. But with wine, it's going to be a little more predictable because we know that the general lifespan is X or Y, right? Right. And the thing
2: my dad liked about Bordeaux was the years 1889 and 1945, those were rated almost 100, and they're still good.
1: Isn't that something? Yeah. And that's a really important thing to note is that really good wines age completely different different than really cheap wines. And they can be exactly the same grapes, but the difference in terms of how long they will last is just drastic. It really is. And so some of the wines that are in there could be in there for another 50 years, really, right? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break, however, for a moment. We're going to come back. I'm talking about this because it's one of the most important things that I can talk about with my listeners, because if you've got some great wines that you either collected or were given to, to you, or you may have inherited a portfolio, you need to understand it. And also, you need to sort of get out of your head the idea that you can go buy a $10 bottle of wine, lay it down for 20 years, and think that it's going to be worth $1,000, because it ain't. It just isn't. John, can you stick with me for a few more minutes? Absolutely, David. Thank All right. You. And you know, we're going to come back in the next week or so, and we'll continue this conversation. But for now, we're just assessing things. So we will be back in just a second with more Grape Encounters, talking about what's in your cellar. And maybe you don't have a cellar. Probably you don't, as a matter of fact, but you may have something very valuable sitting in your house that you don't know about. So we'll talk about that next on Grape Encounters.
0: You're listening to Grape Encounters with David Wilson. We offer something for everyone. Unfortunately, we're not allowed to offer free wine. That's what your friends are for.
3: At MM Organics, we're surrounded by health nuts. That's because we're obsessed with lowering blood pressure, cholesterol, and the risk of cancer. We want to make weight loss easier and help you strengthen everything from your heart to your teeth, nails, and hair. Full disclosure. Those health nuts are actually dry farmed, heirloom certified organic raw walnuts. Rich with essential vitamins and nutrients, they're vastly superior to other nuts. Imagine, walnuts can actually lower stress and boost your brain power. No wonder MM Organics customers are so darn smart. MMOrganics.com is where you'll find our uniquely irresistible raw walnuts, walnut butter, oil, and flour, sprouted flavored walnuts, and decadent fair trade chocolate-covered walnuts, which pair beautifully with our legendary two-horse port-style wine. MMOrganics.com. Eating any other nuts is just plain nuts.
1: And this edition of Grape Encounters is brought to you. by Total Wine & More. One of the absolute best ways I'm able to discover the latest and greatest Cabernet, Chardonnay, or artisan spirit is to go exploring at Total Wine & More. A whole lot more. Like the smile of an expert eager to help you find a new favorite. And the confidence of knowing there's something special everywhere you look. Plus, the freedom to discover a mind-blowing selection at totally low prices online at TotalWine.com where you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Please drink responsibly, be 21. there's a type of story that I hear in the news from time to time that I absolutely love and I absolutely hate because I want this to happen to me, but it always happens to the other guy. And the story is that somebody's cleaning out their garage and there's a bunch of, you know, old pictures and stuff that everybody thinks were just bought at a garage sale. And it turns out that one of these pictures is a Rembrandt or a Da Vinci. And these people who are barely scraping by have been sitting with millions of dollars in their garage and they didn't even know it because Aunt Martha had bought this thing not realizing that it was something incredibly special. Well, let's talk about this in terms of wine for a second because it is altogether possible and probably more likely that you could have wine that you're sitting on that you didn't realize was incredibly valuable. And for this conversation, I have invited my friend John. We're keeping things a little bit anonymous because we're talking about a really amazing collection of wine that his father began collecting many years ago that has many of the greatest names in winemaking in this collection. And John, it's a little different because you know what you're sitting on. You know what a lot of these wines are worth. But it's sort of a reverse situation here because you don't know necessarily what condition those wines are in. And I know that your dad did everything imaginable to make sure that these wines were sitting in the most perfect environment that they could. But you really haven't done an assessment since dad left us, right? No,
2: I haven't. And that was the reason I contacted you, David, because I needed somebody to tell me exactly what I had in the collection, what to keep, what to possibly sell, what to drink now or soon and so forth.
1: Yeah, we took a couple of bottles to dinner a few nights ago and... One of the bottles was just terrific. The other one was, I felt, over the hill. However, it was over the hill, but once it got a little air on it, it came back and said, hey, 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 I'm not done yet. And it was really quite good. But ideally, when you open the bottle, you want it to taste great from the get-go.
2: Right. My dad said, sometimes you have to decant these wines and let the air hit them a little bit, and then they will taste better. (laughs) Little, Little time in the air will make them a little smoother and a little back to what they used to be.
1: Well, you know, I think it was about six years ago, I spent the afternoon with Michael Mandavi, And he went into his own personal cellar and he brought out for me a bottle of Charles Krug from 1957. And he gave it to me as a present. And he said, I just want you to promise me that you're not going to lay this wine down, that you're going to drink it with somebody you love and you're going to drink the whole bottle. And one of the things that was super important that he did, didn't say to me is you're going to be really gentle with some of these wines. And a lot of people think that they need to swirl it to death and decant it and do all of these things to get air on the wine. Some of these wines don't want any more air. They've already in natural ways gotten all the air that they need. And so there are just so many considerations when you've got these kinds of wines. But in your cellar, there are many of the greatest names in there. Chateau Margaux, Chateau Palmer, Chateau Mouton Rothschild, Chateau Latour. It's just stunning when I see some of these names. You just don't see these sitting on the shelves of wine stores very often. When you go in there and you pull a bottle, do you get the heebie-jeebies about opening up a bottle that could be $1,000, could be $2,000? $2,000? Or do you just go, you know what, we got to drink it?
2: It's more of the memory associated with purchase of the wines. When I was in England studying school, my mom picked me up and we went into Bordeaux. And a lot of these wines you've mentioned, we've been there. Yeah. Like Chateau Palme. And met the winemaker. And it, there were some incredible wines that we tasted on site. And my that was my dad's thing. He always wanted to taste the wines where they were made at. Yes. And had some great experiences. And every time I opened a bottle, I think, I've been there. Yes. With my dad.
1: That's so cool. That's so incredibly cool. Now, the one thing that all of those wines have in common is that they're, for the most part, all made from the same grapes. They are largely Cabernet Sauvignon. Then there's a fairly significant amount of Merlot in there. And then there can be Cab Franc in there and Petit Rideau in there. In very small amounts, uh, it's kind of like the salt and pepper uh, that you might put on your steak. You go easy on it, but those other wines can make a huge difference. And for those of you who say, I hate Merlot, let me just simply tell you that the best wines on planet Earth probably have Merlot in them. And and I did a story, by the way, John, it's been a couple of months now, maybe three or four months actually, about the fact that there's a Merlot shortage and too many Merlot grapes have been taken out. The vines have been taken out. And now it's hard to make these great Bordeaux blends because the grapes aren't there. Do you like Merlot by itself?
2: Never had the opportunity to drink too much Merlot. I like the blends, the Cabernet Francs, the Cabernet Sauvignons yeah um just exactly like you're saying the blends really make a difference for me yeah And I don't drink much Cabernet Sauvignon by itself. I like the blends.
1: It's so funny because if you went back like 10, 15 years ago, you would not see that many blends on the shelves of American wine stores. And now blends almost dominate. And it's funny because it seems like as we started to catch on to the idea of blending wines here in America, people are looking and saying, you Americans, you're prostituting the wine by blending it. But in reality, in Bordeaux, that's all they've ever done is blend the wine and they call it a Bordeaux blend. And it, generally speaking, is mostly Cabernet Sauvignon, the greatest grape in the world, which, by the way, is the love child of Cabernet Franc and Sauvignon Blanc. And that's where Cabernet Sauvignon came from. And it wasn't around all that long. Well, anyway, John, we're going to spend the next like three or four days in the cellar. I'm going to put all of the wines into a cellar management program so we can step back and see what we really got. So, it's, it's going to be fun, and I know that you have the cameras on while I'm in there. Sometimes I wave at the cameras because I know as much as we've been friends forever that there's no reason for you to trust me in there.
2: (laughs) Right? Well, David, you're the right man for the job. I've just got to say one thing. One of your comments you made, Should It Stay or Should It Go? reminds me of that famous song, Should I Stay or Should I Go?
1: Oh, yeah. Who sang that? Should I stay or should I go? Yeah, that is a good point. So we're going to come back in a couple of weeks. We're going to talk more about what we discovered. My initial assessment is that there's not too many problems that I see in there, but there are definitely some things that we should be a little worried about. For you at home, I want you to do this. If you've got old wines sitting around, take note of them, Google them send me an email at david at grapeencounters.com. And if you have family members or people or friends that you know that are sitting on some wines, don't just let them sit on the wines. Let's figure out what we got there because wine may be one of the single best hidden treasures that you can find in your home. So let's check it out together. Maybe we can make a little money for you. And John, you'll join me after we do this again? Absolutely. Okay, good. But it's going to cost you at least one uh, Chateau Margot. Not a problem. Well, one glass. Let's just do that. All right. We're going to be back in just a second. We're going to talk about pairing wine with something that's really super unique. And I think you're going to have a lot of fun with it. It's something that you'll be able to do almost immediately. And so I'm going to take you on a journey when we return with Grape Encounters Radio. Smoke from increasing wildfires is tainting wine grapes. And vineyard executives are looking for new ways to adapt. Pure Fresh Wine's O3 technology helps vineyards overcome the problems caused by wildfire smoke by treating grapes pre-crush to improve fermentation and overall wine quality, as well as removing smoke taint. For the typical winery, saving a full harvest of grapes with Pure Fresh Wine costs only 10 cents per bottle. O3 technology has been approved by the FDA and USDA. It leaves no residue and uses no chemicals. It provides many benefits to wineries, including the removal of sulfur, pesticides, and fungicides pre-crush, the reduction of bad bacteria and mold issues, an improvement in roundness and fruit-forward palate notes, and so much more. Most importantly, it safely and naturally breaks down smoke taint molecules to save grapes from damage rescue your harvest from smoke taint visit purefreshwine.com today when you discover a new favorite bottle of chardonnay sparkling wine or artisan spirit at total wine and more you'll discover a whole lot more like the friendly smile of an expert guide ready to help you find that perfect bottle and the confidence of knowing you just found something really special explore the wondrous selection and totally low prices at totalwine.com where you'll find what you love and love what you find. Please drink responsibly, be 21. This edition of Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine and More. When you discover a new favorite bottle of Chardonnay, sparkling wine, or craft spirit at Total Wine & More, you'll discover a whole lot more. Like the confidence of knowing you just found something really special. So explore the wondrous selection at TotalWine.com where you'll find what you love and love what you find. Please drink responsibly. Be 21. Of me, I could not figure out why I was so excited about what we're going to talk about now. I mean, it's a great story, but it hit me very personally. And I was like, going, why is this getting to me and making me really excited about talking about this subject? And I realized it's because we went down this road a couple of times. The last time was about, I don't know, between three and four years ago. You know, we're all about adventure and this was a wine adventure that I took on, something I never did before, but I've done it twice actually now, and I think it might be the single best way to appreciate wine. You know, listen, nothing against going on wine tours and just bouncing from winery to winery. We love that. That's okay, right? But there's a way of enjoying wine that I just love. And if you go back and you listen to old shows of mine, you're going to hear me go, this is the bomb. This is the way that I'd like to experience wine going forward. So going back three years ago, it involved a motorhome, And we were given a motor home by a sponsor. And then we took off from Sonoma and we stayed in parks, national parks, and we stayed in nature. And in some cases, we stayed. Stayed at wineries that were near these kinds of places. Oh my God, did I have a good time? They had to wrangle the keys to the motorhome out of my hands. I clutched them tight. I did not want to return the motorhome. I wanted to become a motorhome wine vagabond. Well, this segment is not about motorhomes, okay? I will say that. But it is about pairing wine with something very different than cheese or charcuterie or. Foods of any kind. We've talked about pairing wine with music and art and all kinds of stuff, but this is pairing wine with nature. And I've got a guy with us now who I've been wanting to meet, and this is my first experience with him. And it's really cool because his last name is the same as my Italian grandparents. It's Di Caro. And it is Gino Di Caro of the Wine Institute. And Gino, you're kind of new over there, right? You're kind of the new kid on the block. Welcome.
4: I am, David. Well, Buenos Sarah. first of all, thank you for having me here today. I really, really appreciate this. And I am new to Wine Institute, but certainly not new to wine. And this little large release that we've put together over the past few weeks has just been really, really exciting to understand how many of California's 143, 144 AVAs really are close to some of our wonderful and beautiful national and state parks. So it it kind of became a real piece of my heart as we looked to see what was close. You know, drinking wine is not just a about drinking and enjoying wine Anymore, it's you know re- the responsible consumption of wine paired up with big trees, beautiful views, camping, along with smooth reds and crisp whites. It's just something everyone should experience. So as Memorial Day came, started to approach, we figured what a great time to pair the wonderful national and state parks in California with um, the many beautiful wines and, and wine regions that are that yeah. are close by.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt, and it's something that I really try to drive home with listeners that ambiance. All of the things that surround the wine drinking experience, that's everything. It's everything. It always shocks me when people go off on a wine trip and they go up to wine country. Wherever it might be, or maybe down to wine country, right? And right. they come home with a couple of cases of wine and they set it aside for a day or two. And then one of the family members comes home from work and it's been a bad day. And, you know, the other family member has been dealing with screaming kids all day. And they go, Oh, you know what? Let's drink some of that delicious wine that we got from Sonoma or Temecula or wherever you got it. So they take that box and they put it on the kitchen table and they open it up and they open up the bottle and they pour glasses and they go, hey, what happened to the wine? It doesn't taste as good as it tasted in the tasting room. And it's because you're in the kitchen and it's a kind of rattling environment. There are fluorescent lights on and all of that stuff that makes the wine enjoyment experience so much better is absent. And I think wine is best when it's put into context. And the more amazing the environment, the more amazing the context, the more awesome that wine drinking experience is. And therefore, you know, if you're up in the redwoods or you're out on a dramatic coastline like, you know, Monterey or Big Sur, the wine just tastes better. And if you think that I'm just saying that, then do a little Googling because you're going to, fine. There've been a lot of studies on this. And when you are in the right environment, the wine actually does taste better. We know that wine with the right music tastes better. We know that wine with the right colors in the room tastes better. It's just the better job we do at engineering the environment, the better that wine experience is going to be. So, Gino, You guys came up with this idea of encouraging people to take advantage of the incredible nature that we have in California, both in the form of state parks and national parks and pairing it with wine. Because apparently there's an adjacency that exists between wine country and these great places to visit. So run us through it. What do you got?
4: Yeah, Yeah, like David, that was so well said. You know, how many times have we all been on a wine tasting trip where you're kind of going from winery? to winery, which is wonderful like you said, you take it out of the context, you take it home and it doesn't taste the same. Well, take the wine tasting experience when you're going to two to three to four wineries in, in a day or two and lump in some of the most beautiful redwoods some folks have ever seen. Lump in the Channel Islands. You know, you can get off a boat and go right off to a wineries in, in Santa Barbara and Ventura County. Uh, San Diego, which I know you're going to very soon. Um, and we're really excited about that. Yep. You can go see Torrey Pines. You can play some golf, even though that's not a national state park, but I might play some golf. And um, then go see, you know, one of the 100 wineries down in San Diego, a lot of people don't understand that there's a lot of wine down in, in that region, a lot of dessert wines down there, and uh, just a super exciting place to be. So like I said, you know, big trees, beautiful vistas and views pair are really, really perfect with some smooth reds and some, some crisp whites. So it's all about an active lifestyle, discovery, and just kind of a, a relaxing wine experience that you can recall. And I will say one step further in what we were discussing, you're going to remember that wine tasting experience so much more if you pair it with a beautiful national or state park as opposed to just going to the winery to taste the wine. It just creates this experience that just that's just never-ending for you and your, your best friends or your partners and your families. You talk about sitting down to drink wine to solve the world's problems. No better place to do it than um, close to a national or state park.
1: Absolutely true. And something that is really worth mentioning, too, is I was looking at, first of all, hotel rates near some of these national parks. And believe me, they're cheaper than if you're going to a big city. That's for sure, number one. Number two, pairing... The camping experience with wine is something that can't be beat. The motorhome experience, of course, we're not going to drive and drink wine. We are going to park for the night and hide the keys, but we're going to do that experience. You can rent a motorhome for dirt cheap, you know, compared to what a hotel costs you. Or, you know, go someplace that has luxury yurts. I don't like that word yurt because it it sounds too much like hurt. But, you know, lots of different opportunities out there. And so sometimes... uh, so one of the things that scares the wine enthusiast away is that, you know, wine is, you know, not cheap. And then when you go to wine country and the hotels are $600 a night, you know, it's kind of a disincentive for people, but it doesn't have to be that way. And if you're going off to national parks and going to more cabin like environments and, you know, doing the motorhome thing or, you know, bringing your own tent, it's a lovely opportunity. And I might add that in the wide open space, Places, COVID isn't an issue either. So there's every reason to do this, but I can tell you, and I really mean this, and I'm, I'm being as sincere as I possibly can, that I've done it, I've been there, I've done that, and of all all of my wine experiences, the ones out in nature have been the best. Period. Right. How about Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Anyway, well Gina, listen, we got to take a little break here cuz that's what we do. We're talking about a I got to call it a promotion, but it's just every month or two, the Wine Institute, it gives us ideas of ways to enjoy wine that goes beyond just sitting around the dinner table, which is fine, you know, but there are so many things that you can pair with wine that make it more fun. And I can't think of anything that pairs with wine better than nature, because especially in California, there's probably no product that you put in your mouth that is more natural then the wine we make here because we're really big on making natural wines, making organic wines, making sustainable wines. And so it's a perfect fit as far as I'm concerned. We're talking to Gina DeCaro of the Wine Institute and they've unveiled a new program wherein they are uh, helping us get our act together so that we can go out and be in national parks and state parks and enjoy wines from wine regions That are right there near those parks. It's a great idea, and you'll be able to find all this information easily. We're going to tell you how when we return with Grape Encounters. Something amazing happened to me the other day at Total Wine & More. I found my new favorite Cabernet Sauvignon at a totally low price. As soon as I picked it up, it felt like, aha, I knew it was the one. So go explore their wondrous selection and you'll feel it too. Because at Total Wine & More, you'll find what you love and love what you find. Download the Total Wine app or visit TotalWine.com. But please drink responsibly. Be 21. With Grape Encounters Radio, and I am talking to a fellow whose last name is the same as my grandparents. It was the Italian half of my life, Di Caro. Some people say Di Caro. My favorite thing about growing up was going to grandma's house and eating Italian food. I've got Gino on, Gino Di Caro. And did you celebrate Italian holidays and get to celebrate your Italian heritage? Well,
4: in my household, uh, every evening was an Italian holiday with a Last of San Giovese. Okay. So, uh, I would say not really, but yes. <laughs>
1: okay. Gino, let's talk about some of the national parks and state parks that are near wine country so that people can get on their computer when they finish listening to the show and start planning a trip.
4: Sure, David. And I will say, you know, to your point, I always say drinking wine is is really uh, the original eating farm to fork. So people can be uh, really proud of of having a glass of red wine um, or wine, period. But I have
1: a hard time. I must say, I have a hard time keeping the wine on my fork. It seems to... (laughs) Well, that's true. Uh, it's more like Farm to Spoon for me. <laughs> That'd be really good. <laughs> but that, that's okay. All right, go for it.
4: So anyway, uh, Wine Institute has put together these uh, these uh, quote-unquote pairings of uh, national and state parks with, uh, with wine regions. And um, I will say for your listeners, if they want to find wineries in these particular regions, they can go to discovercaliforniawine.com to look up the particular region and find particular wineries. But we went ahead and lumped these things into uh, four regions. Southern California, the North Coast, Sierra Foothills, and the Central Coast. And, and, you know, if you get up to the North Coast, you know, you've got a lot of redwoods up there. In Sonoma County, you have the Armstrong Redwoods State National Reserve. Of course, they're making a bunch of beautiful Pinot Noirs and Chardonnay in Sonoma and the Russian River Valley. You also have Mendocino County with um, Hendy Woods State Park and Montgomery Woods State National Reserve. Just some beautiful, enormous redwoods to see up there and, and um, go pair with, with some wines. You also, of course, have Napa County and, and uh, Lake County, which we We decided to highlight the Robert Louis Stevenson State Park, which is the the north part of the county and almost into Calistoga, and uh, provides a beautiful vista to see the entire valley. It's a 5,000 acre park there um, uh, with, of course, stunning views of of Napa.
1: I might add some amazing wineries in that area as well that you can check out. And I also wanted to add something to Mendocino. Even though it's not a park, Redwood Valley is really an awesome place to go taste wine because there's just some wonderful wine wineries there. They have an event every year called Taste of Redwood Valley and it ought to be a national park. It's just absolutely beautiful. So that's worth checking out as well.
4: Glad you brought that up. In fact um, I am turning 50 this year in one week and uh, my wife and I are driving up to the Robert Louis Stevenson State Park to see the, the view and then go down to a couple of Calistoga wineries. So uh, I'm taking advantage
1: of my own press release here. Yeah but, and you can um, and you, yeah. you can celebrate getting your AARP card too.
4: That's right. <laughs> I've been trying to send it to me for the last five years. I don't know why. But, uh, we also have the Sierra Hills, of course, in Central California. In the Sierra Foothills, we've got the Calaveras Big Trees State Park. Of course, most of your listeners probably know in the Foothills, it's kind of a haven for Spanish, Italian and and, um, and French varieties. So just a beautiful place to go there.
1: I got to jump in again because that's gold country there. And Calaveras, that whole area, is just a step back into history. And I think the town of Murphys is there, right? Which is just one of the most wonderful places to go visit. I love the Wineries there. I love the history there. And you are just out in the middle of nowhere. But talk about hospitality, great food, uh, wonderful little inns that you can go to, and just wonderful places to visit. And if you're lucky, maybe you can even enter the frog jumping competition in Calaveras. And we have Mark Twain to thank for that.
4: (laughs) Oh, yes. Oh, great call. Uh,
1: All right. Okay.
4: Well, they also have some ancient volcanic formations there to see, too. Um, So you're right. It's just a beautiful place to go. We have, of course, everyone knows about Yosemite National Park, Half Dome, and all that there is there to, to see that's beautiful. Uh, while we don't recommend climbing Half Dome with a glass of wine in your hand, uh, Madera Wine Country is very close. And they also have some beautiful dessert wines and port style wines, obviously, to see a cascading waterfall in Yosemite and, and uh, have a glass of wine. It's going to be um, probably a particular day of the year for you. So.
1: Well, do we still have water? I just was <laughs> well, c- those curious those about that. Okay, all right. <laughs> governor's
4: working on it, right? Most right, open stuff.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: We also got the Central Coast, of course, which is our third region and we've got Pinnacles National Park which is just outstanding and that is close to Monterey Wine County
1: And I'm going to tell you something most people don't know about Pinnacles National Park and it is absolutely one of the most amazing beautiful dramatic places that you can visit in the state of California and it's not on many people's map so you definitely got to check that out and what you said about Monterey absolutely I think Monterey County is one of the most underappreciated wine countries in America. Let's make that in the world. Let's make that in the galaxy. Okay.
4: Yeah, it's funny. Someone was just talking to me about Monterey today, saying the same thing. And and the Pinnacles Park was one I knew the least about, so it's one I want to get to. Gorgeous.
1: Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Just crazy. Of
4: course, we also have Ventura in Santa Barbara County, which I already discussed uh, loosely. you got got the Channel Islands. You can get on a boat and see some Galapagos-style islands with some rare plants and animal species and, and hop back and get some Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. And maybe go to Santa Barbara's Funk Zone, which has, of course, shopping and galleries and wineries, some wonderful restaurants but the bottom line is that everything is just really close to these parks and uh, there's so many opportunities to uh really enjoy your an ideal balanced vacation. Okay,
1: can I leave uh, listeners with a tidbit about uh, the Channel Islands? Santa Cruz Island is an island that has been void of people for a really long time. But back before Prohibition, they planted Zinfandel grapes there. So the folks who owned Catalina Island and still own a big chunk of it, they took cuttings from those grapes that were growing wild for heaven knows how long over to Catalina Island they planted a vineyard there. It's the Roussac family, and Allison Roussac, it's Allison Wrigley Roussac. Anyway, they're making crazy, delicious wines on Catalina Island. So when you do the Channel Island thing, go over to Catalina, drink some of that wine. It's absolutely spectacular, and it has some real history. Did you even know about that? I'll bet you didn't.
4: I didn't, actually. And I've been to Catalina a lot, frankly, but uh, at least as a kid, but um, that's, that's new to me, so thanks for the teaching.
1: <laughs> okay, so for people who want to know more about this, they want to get information, where do we send them? To?
4: discover and I will say the uh, the fourth section was Southern California. And that's San Diego County, which we discussed. Oh, I'm
1: sorry. Well, we're going to talk more about that because I'm going to go do that. Yeah.
4: Okay. But Discovered that's... And wine.com.
1: And then that's to, uh, Torrey Pines that I'm going to go out to. So I'm sorry we ran out of time because I interrupted you several times, but that's how enthusiastic I am about this.
4: We're really excited to come back, David. Really appreciate your time and, and uh, your listeners and lots of parks to go see over Memorial weekend and, and uh, the rest of the year.
1: And, and beyond. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing to do. Gino, so, you know, I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you, David. Really appreciate it look forward to seeing you soon and welcome to the wine institute you're a great addition to the team over there we love them and we love our listeners we gotta go but we're gonna revisit this now actually two more times so don't worry we're gonna cover this thoroughly over the next month or so and we really hope you'll take advantage of what we're suggesting here so that will do it and by the way it doesn't matter where you're listening to this if you check airline rates right now it is easy to get around this country really super cheap and you can get to all these areas super cheap, so take advantage of it. Anyway, that's going to do it. Gino DiCaro from the Wine Institute and David Wilson from who knows what galaxy. We'll be back here next week at the same time. Are you following Grape Encounters on social media yet? You're not? Well, you should be. It's the best way to hear the latest, juiciest, unfiltered wine stories. It's also the single best way to keep our unpretentious, decidedly different wine conversations going strong. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Grape Encounters. For tons of content on Facebook, you'll want to join our Grape Encounters radio group page. Or if LinkedIn is more your thing, connect with me by typing Grape Encounters Radio or Grape Encounters David in the search bar. Here's the deal the more you click, the more
3: I'll pour.